This podcast was recorded on the Yugambeh region. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hello friends, welcome to Hello I'm Healing the podcast. I'm your host Renee, NLP practitioner, illness recovery coach, mindset mentor, speaker and cancer warrior. This is the podcast to talk all things health, illness and medical experiences in young adults, to break down the tabooness, to shine a light, to allow you to feel less alone, most importantly, help you heal and hopefully educate you along the way. These are real people sharing real experiences and real stories, one conversation at a time. So without further ado, let's get started. Amazing. Welcome back to Hello, I'm Healing the Podcast. I am really excited for another episode and I'm really excited for today's guest as well. Today we have Josh and to be honest, it's actually the first male that we've had on the podcast, which is really, really exciting to just hear about the medical world from another perspective as well. So Josh, thank you so much for jumping on and sharing your story with us. Yeah, no worries. Thank you for having me. It's super cool to to be on here and hopefully try to help educate people in the world of cancer. Yeah, amazing. So do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Tell us who you are and what you have experienced in the last, um, is it a few years that you've experienced this? This is a pretty recent occurrence for you. Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a little bit of a sportsman. I've done sports my whole life and um, just really tried, strive to be the best that I could be. I've uh, done all sorts of sports, but I sort of found a, a sport that I was really, uh, really going well in, which was triathlons. And I had, um, I was about three years into that sport, really struggling to be the best I could be and hopefully start winning races. And um, one day I sort of noticed a little lump on one of my testes and, and I just ignored it, didn't think much of it, thought it might have been from the bike or stuff like that. And um, yeah, let it go, just ignored what I should have got checked. And about 18 months later, the pain got a little bit worse and I was diagnosed with testicular cancer, which put a hold on my whole triathlon sort of endeavours and work and my whole life went on hold for for a period of time. Yeah, absolutely. And how old were you at the time? So it was in May 2021 and I was 28 years old. Um, wow. Yeah, and there was no, besides the little lump, which was about the size of the P on my right testy, um, there was no other signs. Like I was training two times a day before and after work I was pretty much working 60 hours a week close to that um, so there was no signs that I had that I was slowing down until it actually I started to get a little bit of pain down there um, yeah, and that's so crazy. it unraveled very quickly from from there yeah and how long between like that kind of initial visit to the doctor or that initial pain pain when you were like okay something's probably not right to your diagnosis yeah so I was um I fit I normally work work to a sort of evening and I left early because I was in a fair bit of pain I couldn't even get around um that day and I went to the doctor and uh they referred me for an ultrasound I was really lucky to get the ultrasound that night was just across from the doctors and um I got the ultrasound and you know I was pretty I was I understand how women feel when they got to get their checkups because I felt pretty vulnerable with my pants down and someone yeah. massaging around my, my little balls. And um, 
no, it was pretty confronting. And then at the end of the consultation, you just said to me, Josh, there's there's no work for you tomorrow. You've got to go get these results. Um, it's very important. And that was probably the first time I thought, oh, man, no, this isn't good. And I uh, went to the doctors and, yeah, that, that was honestly the next day. Uh, they just said there's a 90% or a very high chance that the only thing that lump can be is testicular cancer. So <clears throat> there wow. was a, yeah, so that was, um, I was more didn't still didn't realize how serious it was. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I sort of was just like, oh yeah, like what do we what do we do now? And I got uh, referred to Peter McCallum Cancer Hospital, yeah, in Melbourne. Yeah. And the next opening was in in two days, in forty eight hours. Now that doesn't seem like a long time when you've been diagnosed with what could be cancer. It was a pretty long wait, so I took the time off work um, and just um, that appointment come and. And then it was it sort of when I walked through those doors at Peter Mac for the first time and there was a high possibility that I was about to join these people, that was when it sort of sunk in. And, um, yeah. It was a big, big reality check for just appreciating your health and your melody when you walk into a, a cancer hospital, as you know, and it's just, yeah, really gives you a, a different perspective on life. Um, Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, and so, you were like... I feel like it's a little bit similar to mine in a way. Like I was training six days a week when I got diagnosed as well. And it's like your textbook healthy in a clinical world. So I'm sure when you went in and they were like, oh, like, do you smoke? Do you drink? Do you work out? Do you eat really clean? Like all of the questions, I'm guessing for you, a lot of that, because you were training so high, it was like, yes, in a textbook world, you would have been considered healthy. Yeah, well, I was I I remember really clearly after being really taken back by you know all the all the really pale, fragile people um, going in the elevator, saying this can't be right. Like the that small percentage that they are wrong, this is wrong. That they are wrong, the doctors, because I was um, I rode bike rode two hundred and four k's a couple of weeks before my diagnosis. I had uh, finished Holy second, <laughs> and I'm thinking I can't be that sick and um yeah it wasn't it didn't really fully sink in how serious it was until the doctor said he shuffled appointments around to remove one of that testy at the end of that week and that's when I panicked wow yeah well you just sort of think about um being a man and fertility strength your testosterone there's just so many things that you think about but yeah you I I didn't didn't even know till that stage what category I was in so that was something time as well yeah, or maybe even things that you previously hadn't thought of and now you had to think of. Did you experience yeah. that? Yeah, big time. It was just more you kick yourself like the lump was there for so long and because it didn't hurt, I didn't get it checked. And that's one of the first things that I try to advocate for is anything abnormal yeah. that people feel in their bodies or a freckle or a pain, just get yourself checked out because if I had done it 18 months prior, I probably would have um, bypassed putting my life on hold for over six months or nearly 12 yeah. months yeah and at the time did you did you have a partner did you have children were children something that were in your future or was that yeah kind of yeah area? definitely like um I have a had a, a wife now but fiance at the time and yeah honestly like we've always um wanted to have children and and yeah definitely that was in the horizon and yeah, and I'd never, you just think, oh, it's going to happen, you know, as it does. And then when you start thinking thinking about, um, yeah, it's sperm and all that, that has been affected for so long, it, it went 
it was nearly selfish for my own part that I hadn't got myself checked and I kept it a secret. Well, not a secret, but I just didn't think it was an issue. So if I can yeah. raise awareness that I've had a lot of people come forward and message me on Instagram and Facebook and all that sort of thing with people saying, hey, I've got a, what was it like? It's just like, it doesn't matter what it's like. If you've got something abnormal in your body, just go get it checked out. So yeah, yeah it was a, going back to your question, that was it was on the horizon, children in the future. And um, yeah, so it was a big worry and stress for us that, you know, yeah, maybe it wouldn't be working as well afterwards. Yeah. And do you remember, to, like, was your wife able to be with you when you found out the news because of obviously being in Melbourne and being in a really high city of COVID lockdowns and yes. craziness at the time because mine was similar timing. Um, do you, was you, sorry, were you able to have your wife with you or your fiancé with you at the time or did you have to go in and receive that news by yourself? Um, so... When I actually got told the initial news from the doctor, uh, that was by myself. And mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, uh, I t- actually got home and then told her and I just <laughs> sort of brushed it under the cover and said, it's not 100% yet, but we're going to Peter Mac and we'll find out then. So just chill out. And then oh she comes gosh. to Peter Mac. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm really late. I feel like that's such a male thing to do, like without stereotyping. Men are so yeah. chill about these things. <laughs> and it was um, when, when we found out, the surgery was involved uh that's when mm-hmm. we both sort of thought yeah wow what all right this is really serious and um and uh, my, my my main question was that hey i haven't been diagnosed with cancer yet but why are you taking it out and it was more like right. if it is well it's not good and any lump like this on your test on your test isn't good so we're going to remove it and, and then they can take a biopsy and so forth yeah um, and that probably rolls and in. S- yeah, yeah so what happened after surgery and after the they removed a testy from you like they were obviously able to do a biopsy and what kind of unfolded from that yeah well I, i'm um i'm a pretty bubbly sort of confident guy um and i just thought yeah you know what like it started to hurt i got onto it as soon as it started to hurt i was awkward so i had a scar um just so people know they don't actually cut open downstairs they cut open sort of below your abdominals and they take it out that way the the wow. test yeah which is really interesting. that's so interesting yeah so I thought they actually cut you open downstairs and I was so scared of that um but no they cut you open sort of around your groin area and yeah obviously push it up and take it out anyway um so that was so I just thought everything happened pretty good and I had to just two weeks to recover um I obviously tried mm-hmm. to do as much training as I could as still trying to be a triathlete, just think it's a little little speed hump to my journey. And, um, yes, I was just doing a lot of little strength work and stuff. And the two-week period ended and uh, we were in a big peak COVID lockdown then. So if you didn't mm-hmm. have to go to a hospital, you didn't. So we had a telehealth call um, with my oncologist and, yeah, he confirmed that it was cancer and, and I was just like, oh, yeah, and then the – yeah, it gives me goosebumps still that he just said, no, you're going you're gonna to require chemotherapy, Josh. It's spread throughout your wow. body. And that was, the, that was the first time I was – I didn't really – to be honest, I didn't know. What, I knew chemotherapy made your hair pull out and it killed cancer, made you mm-hmm. sick, but I didn't actually know what it was. And I remember looking over at my, at my fiancé at the time and, yeah, she was, she was pretty – like looked pretty distressed and that's when I first knew that, yeah, all right, this is, this is really bad and – I, I could, I, yeah, you, I'm, I think I'm dying. So, 
Yeah, that's yeah. the first time I get goosebumps saying that. It's like um Yeah, I've got like full body chills as well. Yeah, <laughs> it's like when that's when you hold you that was the time um that you realize that it doesn't matter how fit you are, it doesn't matter how strong you are, it doesn't matter how many hours you work, how much energy yeah. you have, or how wealthy you are. And from that moment on, nothing else mattered in my life but my health. And until it's taken from you, at that very moment in time it was taken from me, you don't realize how um how precious and how much of a superpower having your health is. Yeah, absolutely. And it just goes to show like no one's bulletproof. Yeah. You think like, you're invincible. You think yeah. Yeah, you're like, it, you're like this young, healthy male. And yeah, I mean, things still happen. And so talk us through what treatment looked like for you, you know, because in my world, I would have thought like, okay, great. They've done the surgery. They've removed it. You're good to go. Yeah. Although it had moved and had gone to other parts of your body and things like that. So you still had to undergo chemo. What was your chemo cycle treatment like? It was, that was a bit of a decision, um, a big decision-making process we had to make because um, it had spread. I had uh, I had a, a mass the size of a tennis ball in my stomach. I had um, spots on my lymph nodes and minor spots in my lungs. And we were going to go a chemical called gliamosin i think it is gliam mm-hmm. and that's um you know what i've forgotten how much that is i think it's uh eight weeks of chemotherapy and it's sort of a standard um sort of um treatment mm-hmm. and but what they said was that one of the last questions my oncologist said was are you a free diver or an a- or an elite athlete and, um I didn't want to be cocky or anything like that. But I said, I'm not, really happy, but I'm actually really striving to, to be the best I can be at triathlon. And um, I really enjoy running. If I can't run or swim or bike ride, any of those things, I get a lot of mental health happiness from that. Um, so they said they gave us another option, which was uh, treatment with 12 weeks, which was etoposide and cisplatin. And that was, we also got warned that with more side effects, uh, that with more hours of treatment, there would be more side effects. And I was more being a lad and being just an old bloke, not thinking, <laughs> which is just like, no, we've got to go that one because I need to run. And then I had my fiance at the time, Em, saying, hey, we've got to think about fertility and your health and everything like that. Um, so there was a lot of back and forth conversation and we ended up um, we ended up going a little bit wider, wider information from the, an oncologist friend in the cancer world and they actually mm-hmm. said that, yeah, with my, the way I am and the way I go through treatment, they recommended 12 weeks. So we went for longer chemotherapy yeah. and that was, yeah, a very interesting time in my life. And did you do treatment like once a week or was your cycle every 21 days? So this, the treatment that we took with the 12 weeks, it was um, a week on, uh, full mm-hmm. uh, eight hour days in the chair, five days a week, and then two weeks wow. to recover. And that four times. So um, that's intense. Yeah. By the, um, yeah, it was very, it was very, um, now that I'm out the other side and and going well, it was an amazing experience to be super fit and to uh, experience your body hit what I call ground zero. um, And yeah, some of the toughest times of my life. And then to then, um, which I'll get into soon, which is then to build it back up. it was really special. So that's probably a good time yeah. to go into the next part where I am. Um, so when I was, went into, 
I was absolutely devastated when we when when I had to take on the twelve week treatment. I mm-hmm. like three months. All the work I'd done over the past, you know, three to five years in this sport was going to be pretty much thrown down the drain and thrown out. Like all my goals that I had were now gone, and in in, the, in an instant they were they were gone. So I decided I, it, it hit me pretty hard mentally, and I thought, yeah. well, how can you how can you deal how can you turn this into a positive and after seeing these are my favorite parts <laughs> yeah it's really cool and, I, and i'm very proud of um the way i held myself through this and to to do this but when you and this actually i don't want to take anything away from anyone with other cancers but when you my cancer treatment in that hospital was like a holiday compared to some of the other people that are in there and what they're going through you know the bone cancer stem cell treatments replacements uh, I don't know a lot about it but it just looked absolutely horrible and everyone's got their story but my being the way it was and I could function during those two weeks period of coming back to life I wanted to try and um, just motivate or inspire people um, that no matter what life throws your way you can mm-hmm. you can do anything you want to do so I may I set a goal to train through every day of my chemo um, I have it that's so yeah, good I had a triathlon coach um, and he he helped me through that um he yeah kept me structured we, we knew that you know physical gains weren't going to be met all the time so it was more for a mental health approach and just turning up every day um and yeah so we, we nearly i nearly completed that goal um the last two sundays of the last remaining two cycles i was pretty much mm-hmm. mobilized i went for a little walk around the block but it was yeah i wouldn't class that as you know training my training Pretty much included bike riding, swim strength, r- slow runs. I'd do a duathlon before each time I went back into um, oh my gosh treatment. So that was that was really cool because we got to see a lot of the data of what my heart was doing and how my body was responding to each cycle of the treatment. Um, so yeah, that was. I just wanted to try and yeah help people realize that you know sometimes we do get really crappy circumstances or challenges thrown mm-hmm. our way. But that's how you deal with them and how you respond to them. And not only did it change my life going through that and seeing that I was inspiring people, that's one of the coolest feelings I've ever had. But my little brother then made a pact, which is where the story gets a little bit more special, to do a, he said that he wanted to do an Ironman for a cancer treatment, or like a, a fundraiser. And wow. um, with that being said, I started training with him as well, like trying to, during the treatment and then post-treatment and nine months uh, post uh, chemotherapy and, and 12 months post him starting that, we both completed an Ironman uh, triathlon. Wow, which, that's incredible. Yeah, so uh, yeah, an Ironman is a 3.8-kilometer ocean swim, 180k bike ride and a marathon finish. Wow. So that was just to inspire everyone and, and just show that anything actually is possible if you turn up and just try and be your best. Yeah, absolutely. And even in times that, you know, typically are seen as like really challenging times, it's incredible what your mind can do. Yeah. And when you look after that in the way that works best for you, and in your case, it was still training and exercising, what that helped you get through. Yeah. And it's just like, it was just also, I actually realised uh, further away because I was so fixated on God. So I once again set a goal through the through the treatment of of just turning up every day, and you actually I actually didn't realize how actually 
vulnerable I was through the treatment till I finished it. So I was so fixated on being my best, having a smile on my face, turning up, trying to inspire others. And the further I I got a year, it was probably a year post, and I thought, yeah, that was really, really brutal. Like, and but at the time when you were just trying to be other people's, you know, inspiration, you you don't really, yeah, you just look past it. So just getting up and moving, getting the blood flowing, it's so good for not just your physical health, but your mental health as well. Yeah, absolutely. And did the nurses in the hospital or your specialist and things like that just think that you were absolutely mad and crazy for doing these kind of things? Because it's not really heard of. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was really cool. Like um, I definitely, uh, they'd be like, how was your morning? You'd be like, yeah, good. What have you been up to? Oh, I just ran 10Ks. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, what? Um, so it was really cool. And then people it would create conversations and it would get everyone else's minds that was in, in Peter Mac. I don't know what it's like. It was like at St Vincent's or other hospitals, but there's about three or four chairs on each side, so eight chairs mm-hmm. uh, per room or per section. And the nurses go, and you sort of mingle a little bit until you get a little yeah. bit, don't want to talk to anyone. But it sort of just created a starting vibe at the start of the day. Um, which was really cool as well. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. That's so epic. And I guess now, like when you were going through treatment, obviously you were still training. What were your side effects and how did you manage them apart from doing the exercise and the training for your mental health? How did you manage the side effects or did you have really mild side effects through that time? Um. So I had a lot of tingling with my hands. Um, I was trying to just do a little bit of work around the house, like little jobs to keep moving because I found that as soon as I stopped, that the the feeling of the chemo uh, would just empower everything, like hearing, tingling, everything. But as soon as I would get moving or get off the couch or whatever, it would actually, um, yeah, really dilute the, I don't know what the word is, but really it would take down the sensation of all the side effects. But my hands, and there wasn't much you could do about the hands and it wasn't so much my fingers, more my fingertips. They would tingle. I had, um, it was more, probably the worst side effect I had was sort of like nearly vertigo, like in my balance and my ears ringing. And yeah. I still get that a little bit now. Um, but, yeah, otherwise just nausea, which you yeah, had medication for that. But it was just, yeah, I really felt that getting up and moving and actually staying active, it played a big part in, in really minimizing those effects yeah that's amazing and how was your fiance during this time watching you have to go through the treatment and then also see you have these huge goals and still achieve them yeah it's hard for like it's hard for a partner sometimes to have to watch someone go through that it's actually really interesting because it's it's nearly harder for the person just sitting by and watching they're they're just Mm -hmm. so helpless it's out of their control and yeah, there was times, like, and I won't lie, there was times that I go out and probably push myself a little bit hard and come back and she probably thought I was going to die, but it probably wasn't nice for her to see. But um, she, she was just a gem. She did so much from little remedies of juices and, and cooking and just anything I needed, she was there. It's, it's actually, yeah, it's so there's probably so much more that she could tell about or give advice to people that are going through so many, so many more people deal with people with cancer than people that actually have cancer. And I think it's yeah. really, yeah. And I've got into a little bit of public speaking. And when I always ask for a little bit of feedback after the, after my presentation, a lot of the feedback has been to do with how would you 
what, what did you, what would your wife say about when she cared for you or how would she feel in this aspect? And it's, um, it's really true. Like it's so much harder on the person caring for the person with cancer than you or I going through our treatment. We can sort of put the wall up or go into our own little world or do what we've got to do where they've got to sit by and just witness it all for such yes. a long period of time. Yeah, absolutely. Like the person going through it's very much in fight or flight. Yeah. You know, like this is just what I have to do. And yeah, it is really like hard because for my partner as well, watching me, he was like, can, what can I do? And I was like, there's literally nothing you can yeah. do right now. Like it is what it is, unfortunately. Like I, yeah. So I guess now, where are you at now with your like post-treatment and recovery and that kind of thing? Um. So post-treatment, and recovery it was just sort of like I was so excited for that last buzzer to go of that last bit of chemotherapy in my system because I knew <laughs> as soon as that went in and, and sort of the, the effects of the chemicals wore off I was getting straight to work I had a, a lot of time off work to to build back to health and fitness and strength because I work in civil construction I don't know if I mentioned that at the start of the podcast but I work in civil construction so it's a very um, physical job uh, very demanding um, and it's sort of non-stop so I just had, a, I think I had um, six weeks off after that um, and just really worked on, I just had a pretty much a little mini training camp where me and uh, Em would just sort of go from place to place. I'd ride the bike and just slowly try to build up my stamina and my health and, and everything. And it was, and that was probably the most, to this day, one of the most amazing experiences of my life, just being like, as I said earlier, going from being fit to zero and then working back up and to present to where I'm at now, I'm still building from that layer. And um, so, yeah, back back to full racing. Um, my brother is still wow. racing with me now. Um, we still, we so both. So good. Yeah, it's really cool. So uh, there's actually a, a photo I was looking at on the weekend where we were at the pool together uh, just after COVID where I'm fully ball, a lot of weight put on. He's having one of his first swims at, you know, um, the pool. And then on the weekend, we both podiumed the, the triathlon and it just shows where you can go to if you make the right life choices and healthy healthy choices and, and be disciplined, where you can get to. If you just stay consistent and persevere. So, yeah, just um, I'm back to full-time racing. I'm working. I went back to work and, and um, yeah, back working uh, full-time. I got married in uh, January post the treatment um, amazing that was great congratulations so that was, yeah thank you so that was more of a, a marrying my best friend my soulmate but it was also a, I saw it as a celebration that my life was start, starting up again which was a really special yeah. day um, yeah. and yeah so now just yeah trying to I actually realized that post-treatment I was actually getting really frustrated so I just thought that people would see what I went through or hear what I went through and and just change their ways but it didn't work like that so I went out and um, started speaking to a few gyms and run clubs about you know mental strength and um, turning up and and all that and seeing how much my story was starting to inspire people so now I've got into um, a little bit of public speaking to try and share Amazing. yeah just to share the awareness share um, some of my stories some of the good times some of the bad how they can relate that to their lives and, and how you don't have to be fighting cancer to change the way you view it or your life, or you don't have to have cancer to want to be a better version of yourself, but you can mm -hmm. just do that by setting goals and, and trying to be the best version of yourself. 
So that's yeah. sort of where I'm at now. Absolutely. One of my favourite like sayings is you can't wait for tragedy to happen before you start living your life. Yeah, it's, it's so true. And, it, and it's, I'm, I have changed the way I view life and I want to, I would love for people to, as exactly like that quote you said, where you don't have, you don't have to, I hope people don't have to get cancer or, or have something major happen to change the way they view mm-hmm. life because, yeah, you, you hit that on the head. That's spot on. Yeah, yeah, so. absolutely. And I'm really curious to know how your work were when you got diagnosed because it happened very quickly. So how were they and were they supportive during that time or was it a different story? <laughs> Um, they were they were brilliant. Um, Delta Group um, is a company. They're they're pretty large in in Australia, in Melbourne, Brisbane, Sydney, Canberra, all all over Australia. Um, I panicked as well. Just I thought, how am I going to pay for my house? And um, being in the construction union, I had um, a little bit of insurance there. And the um, yeah, my company just said, hey, get yourself right. Your job's here when you get back. And yeah, they literally said whenever you, you just will be here waiting. And, and that was just a massive stress or weight lifted off my shoulders, knowing that, hey, do what you got to do and, and then yeah. get back. So, uh, uh, yeah, I, I've heard a lot of different stories of different people's experiences and having that added mm-hmm. stress to your cancer battle would just be, yeah, pretty tripped out. I couldn't imagine yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely everyone's situation in that case is very, very individual. And yeah. um, the sad thing is that I personally hear more of the opposite where yeah, right. businesses and workplaces aren't very kind and aren't very supportive. So I'm so glad to hear that that was not yeah, you know, well. your experience at all. And especially with being such a large company, sometimes it is those really large companies that are sometimes yeah. the worst. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm really glad that that was your experience through that as well. And did you and your fiancé have family around you at the time or was it just you two in Melbourne? It was just because uh, we were in COVID lockdown as well um, for pretty mm-hmm. much. It was really weird because we went into lockdown pretty much the day I got told I needed chemotherapy and we came out right. pretty much when my chemotherapy finished. So it was really trippy. Um Mm. Felt like the whole world was locked down with me. Um, but yeah, we didn't have um, yeah many visits at all. Uh, my brother and and his partner come down a few times. I had a few friends um, come down with me, but I'm I love my own space when things get yeah. challenging. I don't know if I should be that way, and I've become a little bit of a closed book. But I really enjoyed having minimal guests at um, at the treatment, getting treatment, and. It was good just to battle it myself and then post when everything opened again, I was sort of back to, well, starting to get back to health and, yeah, could experience catching up with people again. Yeah, and you did share on social media like your experience in your journey throughout the time and even now. Was that something that you kind of decided from the get-go, like, hey, this has happened and I'm going to share about it or was it something that just kind of transpired over time? Um, it's, that's really interesting because I, first of all, messaged my close friends and family what had happened. And then mm-hmm. I knew that it was spread like wildfire and Chinese whispers and, and everything like that. So I created an Instagram, an Instagram account to just go, if you want to know what's going on with my 
uh, cancer battle. This is what you've got to follow. And I'll put up little things when I'm just let my mind wander and try to, yeah, really um, bring awareness to, to people getting cancer and testicular cancer or any types of cancer or health challenges to know that, because it's amazing how many people come out of the woodwork and said, hey, no, I had a small cancer. It's like, well, hey, what? I know everybody's different and privacy reasons, but if you speak about it, you can educate others. You can, you know, and that's what I want to really value was just giving little ways of, um, yeah, acknowledging or educating people of what I was going through. And, and once again, just how I was um, trying to stay active through it, but how um, immobilised I was and how, how much these people can just appreciate going to work in the winter or, you know, you're in COVID lockdown, but you're not stuck in a chemo chair. Like life's not that bad. So it was more just making people see see life from another perspective and really appreciate where they're going. It wasn't a sob story for me either. I didn't want that. Yeah. But it was more just, um, yeah, and as I said, like my, compared to a lot of the other um, patients in that hospital, my, my treatment was, yeah, a, a walk in the park. So I just... It was more to bring awareness to, to that that world that people don't see. Um, yeah. Which was, uh, and just educate people. Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly like why we're here and recording is that educational piece um, yeah. as well. Just the more we talk about it, the more one, people become educated about it, but two, people become more comfortable around the conversation of it. Yeah. I guess, yeah, I'd love to know like what you, like what advice you would like offer somebody going through treatment and then what advice you would offer somebody with a loved one going through treatment, which might be more kind of tapping into your wife's mind there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So my first bit of advice if you're going through treatment is do not go on Google. Like um, <laughs> just experience everybody's different. Everybody will experience different symptoms, different ways through treatment or their cancer. Um, maybe get in contact with someone that has gone through it and maybe get a little bit of advice or information about what's happening or your doctors and just, yeah, it's an experience. You can't, it's out of your control, control the controllable and just go with the flow. And it's amazing the medication that's out there that actually makes the experience so much more, um, what's the word, just comfort, comforting. Like you read stories about people going through cancer in the 90s or the late 90s, early 90s, it's just a totally different ball game. Um, so that would be just to control the controllable, do what you can do, um, nutrition, hydration, as best you can. It's tough because you crave some crazy things uh, during <laughs> the treatment. But, yeah, don't. Um, you can make the scenario so much worse in your own head by reading things that I don't even know why they're on um, Google. But anyway, so that's that's probably my advice there. And for, if you were caring for someone uh, going through cancer is, just I've had a few people question, uh, send me a message saying, hey, we've got a friend going through um, chemotherapy. What can, what can we get these, this person to make them happy? Well, do what you would have done when they were not going through chemotherapy. They're, they're still the same yeah. person. Their personality doesn't change. So in that same sort of line that everyone, you just got to adapt to that person. If you had a, always been near me during chemotherapy, I probably told you to give me my space, but some people might want a lot of space, uh, want a lot of um, interactions. So I think you yeah. just got to read the person and, and treat them. You, the people who are closest to that person that has had treatment know what they were like and know what they need and they just need to communicate. But 
yeah, there's nothing wrong with the little goodie box here and there because I know you've got <laughs> and, and crazy stuff. So, yeah, I think it's just to the individual and, yeah, and just, yeah, that's probably probably a bit better than that. Yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah. And did you use any kind of, like, so you used obviously modern medicine in your chemotherapy and for your nausea and stuff like that. Did you use any, like, holistic or Chinese methods of, medicine as well like any kind of acupuncture or anything like that or did you kind of just stay on the traditional modern medicine route um I stayed on the just traditional I know we did a few juices with they were just um they were known the the fruits were known to or the vegetables were help known to help within chemotherapy treatment mm-hmm. um but the I, I, I didn't do any of those the one thing I probably could share and once again everybody could be different was yeah. that by the end of the weeks in um, chemotherapy, it felt like you'd done an Ironman and I couldn't take on water or liquid anymore. I was really struggling to stay hydrated. So I thought to myself, hey, when we're doing triathlons, we have hydrolytes or we have like, mm-hmm. coated tablets or, or things like that that hold the sort of hold our hydration up, sodium content, all that. And I, so I had a couple of hydrolytes and that I, and as I said, other people might be different, but that, felt like it locked in my chemotherapy chemicals and made all mm-hmm. the all the the feelings of them hang around for so much more and make it so much more speed so wow. i'd probably yeah try flush your system instead of locking that in because yeah in a triathlon you would have minimal liquid but the sodium content and everything sort of in your system whereas it felt like this way it had no it might have just been the reaction between the tablets as well i don't know but mm-hmm. definitely Oh, I thought I was doing the right thing by trying to stay hydrated, but it was a world of pain for a little bit there. So that's probably yeah. If it could, others, as I said, other people might be different. Yeah, that's so interesting to know mm. that because I was like, on my day, I only done one day of treatment every twenty-one days, and yeah. I would sit in the chair while they would pump me with chemo and drink over a liter of water while I was sitting there getting it because I was like, get this out of me! Like, I need yeah. to flush it. ASAP. <laughs> yeah. It's um it's so funny you say that because when I used to get my which is probably also a little bit of um information was I would get pumped. I can't remember how many I would get pumped with a litre of um saline and magnesium. And then I would have wow. my chemical, which I think was I don't know how much, maybe I can't I won't say it because I don't remember the mills, but it was nowhere near that much of the two chemicals and then I get hydrated mm-hmm. with another litre of, wow. um, yeah, hydration, whatever they use, saline or however it was, but or whatever it was. So there was a lot of, it's funny you say that. So I was getting hydrated internally, but then I couldn't drink at all. Like I was sipping cordial, I was trying everything and just could not get um, liquid into my, into my diet at all. <laughs> and did you have the experience of being turned off by certain things? Like, things that you would have, they would offer you in like the hospital when you were there for treatment or you turned off by those things. Like if I see those nippies, like flavoured milks, not that I drunk them in there, but they remind me of the hospital. I'm like, oh, yuck. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's funny. No, until you just said that, you just made me feel sick a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, um, yeah, I get what you're saying, but no, I did, wasn't turned off anything. Um, from the hospital, I actually experienced from my first checkup a little what I think was PTSD, where I was 
I walked past the car park I used to come out chemo and I like mm-hmm. freaked out like my body just went into yeah. a little bit of shock that's probably the only thing but to do with foods and and um some smells we used to have a candle going um when I used to come mm-hmm. home candle and now if that candle goes on I have to turn it off like <laughs> can't have that but um yeah nothing with food food aversion or anything like that um that I can yeah. think of. wow there you go um, yeah. Again, it's everyone's so individual in their experience as well. Like that's what I kind of love about these conversations is like, yes, it connects us and we have this like experience that we've experienced all together and yeah. yet it's so different and it's so individual. Yeah, yeah, big time. It, everybody is different and everyone experiences it in such a different way. So, yeah, I, I know that I went through a um, I went through chemotherapy with a guy. We started exactly the same time and he had diabetes though. Um, and the way that our, and I don't know if that affects him, but the way that we were both taken to the treatments in different ways and probably what we're doing in our personal, in our personal time with it as well, everybody is just, um, yeah, so different. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And now what is your like follow-up? program kind of like do you have to do scans every three months six months what's that look like it was it was three months now it's out to six months um and yeah just good yeah that's really good so I think they're happy with everything they have seen in the past and and I think it's still blood tests every three months but the Mm -hmm. proper scans are six months so that'll be ongoing I think for the next five or six years yeah wow and I'd love to know like what is on the horizon for you? What's next? What do you want to do? What do you want to um, Well, yeah. Really, <laughs> what's that? Sorry. What do you want to create if there's anything you want to create or are you just loving being back um, in the trade space? <laughs> uh, it's actually been the opposite. Like I do, I do love my job. I love the challenge. But when you spend, you know, 10 months of your life with people that are just trying to help you and then you go back into the building industry and it's, work hard and there's a few things that, you know not all of it's fully safe as much as we love it to be I just really since seeing people uh people's reaction to when I tell them about cancer and the story and you inspire them to live a healthier life and stuff I'm really trying to pursue that um into public speaking um but that. it is it is a very t- I thought it'd be so easy I thought I'd tell my story and people would just love it and go with it but it's very hard to try and make a living out of it that is my ultimate goal but it's um yeah. it's a long road and um yeah i'm willing to do the hard yards if it if it means changing people's life and bring awareness to cancers and health and all of that but um yeah that's the ultimate goal but do enjoy my job i love the challenge i love hard work and yeah i'm pretty content where i am at the moment but just yeah really striving to you know speak publicly and get into coaching uh triathlon coaching and run coaching and yeah yeah, hopefully start a family in the future if that's if that's on the horizon and yeah, just live life to the fullest and, and yeah, I can. Yeah. And you don't have to answer this if you don't want to. So if you're like, if it's off the line, that's so fine. Yeah. Is having children naturally, is that still a possibility for you? Well, we got told um, after putting um, some sperm on ice that and the quality of them, it would be um nearly impossible so mm-hmm. did, they didn't say impossible they said it's going to be extremely unlikely that it'll happen naturally um and we 
fell pregnant naturally. Um, and oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah, oh. unfortunately, had a miscarriage um, at the time, but it was just such a such a positive, a blessing to know that it happened naturally. And yeah, it's that bittersweet. Yeah, like I, you actually you hit when you say to the people that you had a miscarriage. It's amazing how many people come out of the woodwork there and say they had a miscarriage and so on. I know you probably again. Don't. It's a yeah. it's another taboo topic that we definitely talk about on here. So crazy. that's fine. <laughs> yeah, but it's crazy. <laughs> It's probably, a, you know, one in four uh, women have a miscarriage, I learn, and it's just a part of life. So, yeah, definitely um, back to the drawing board about with, with kids and, and hopefully, but I just show, it just shows that, uh, once again, don't let anyone, like I didn't let that go, like we had the IVF planned out, ready to go, and mm-hmm. still didn't give up and did all the right um, healthy life choices and stayed disciplined and didn't put anything into my body that I knew wouldn't, be beneficial to my own health mm-hmm. and creating a family so yeah now just um yeah no, no limits on that sort of stuff and now just see what happens in the future yeah absolutely and was there anything that anyone would say to you that kind of annoyed you at the time or were you pretty fine around things like did people say things maybe with good intention or make comments that were kind of like oh yeah since i got away <laughs> like, is there things yeah people there was a lot of times people would check in with me, send me a message and say, hey, how are you going? And I'd go, yeah, I'm going really good, thank you. And, hey, you know, how are you? How are you in lockdown? And they go, hey, Robbo, it's okay not to be okay. And it's like, yeah, I know that. And deep down I'm probably not okay. Like I'm <laughs> fighting cancer, fighting a treatment, but I'm doing my best to be okay. So it's just mm-hmm. like, and I think I learned, I'm actually still probably a little bit confused with it all, but um, you, that's where I was saying before, you learn how bond vulnerable you were through the treatment and how much you actually were hurting but some people actually want to put on that brave face march through it and be strong so to have people go it's okay to not be a case like yeah i know that but i am okay and that used to really grind my gears but um (laughs) uh, yeah it's just something that you you just let i think everyone deals differently throughout the treatment yeah yeah absolutely and again i think that the whole conversation of it's okay not to be okay is absolutely so important. Yeah. And also sometimes like you are actually okay, even with like the darkest thing that could happen to you. Yeah. Like sometimes you're okay through that. And so then when people tell you like, oh, it's okay not to be okay, then you almost like question yourself like, oh, should I not be okay? Yeah, because if you sort of in my, in the instance of having cancer, if you actually... I find that you have to be really mentally strong because realistically, when you get to the end of your chemotherapy, you are, you're not dealing with anything physical. Your muscles, everything can't move. Like there was times at the end of my treatment and had to get, move my legs to get me out of bed. So all you are working with is your mental strength. So you're telling yourself, like you're a dead person or a human walking and you're telling yourself you're okay. You're telling yourself to get to those things. So when someone says to you, it's okay not to be okay, you sort of know it is okay not to be okay and it's okay to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But that time in your treatment, you are battling through to be the best version of yourself and it is tough. It's hard to do. So I think, yeah, yeah that makes a little bit of sense. I don't know if that come out right, but you just got to sort yeah. of all that mental strength. Yeah, absolutely. And I would love to know, did you have like a quote or a mantra or anything that kind of got you through your treatment or that experience or were you just like, uh, it's go time. Um, it was, we cannot choose our external circumstances, but we can always choose how we respond 
and that was by uh, Epictetus by Greek Stoic philosopher. So, yeah, that was that was pretty well it. Like we, a lot of us can't, and I use that in my day to day life now. Like you can't, we can always if something goes wrong, and a lot of the times when something goes wrong, it's not the issue that is holding us back. It's how we respond to the issue. You're dwelling on it or yeah. staying frustrated. So that's probably the biggest thing that shaped where I went and where I go now with, with issues that I have in life that hopefully never become as major as what I've been through, but even yeah. the littlest things that still relates. Yeah, amazing. And when is your next triathlon? Um, so next triathlon is the next big one is in Port Macquarie in mm-hmm. Maine. So that's a full Ironman, amazing. but there's a lot of little ones in between yeah. there on the build up to that. So yeah. So you got a full Iron Man in May. Yep. And yeah, wow. yeah do it. Yeah, That's amazing. That hopefully, um, yeah, hopefully get a qualification spot to Kona, which I just missed out on in um Cairns. So it's been um yeah, been each I've got to scratch that itch and try to get there. So <laughs> to, to get there. Yeah, well, I feel with your determination just in this conversation that we've had, you'll definitely get there. <laughs> Fingers crossed. There's just uh, <laughs> Turn Up, which is my which is my uh, little public speaking name, which is Turn Up. Um, it's the first step. So I just turn up every day and, and be my best, and that's all I can do. So if I get there or I don't get there, but if, if I do all I can, and that that is all you can do, and, and I'm proud of myself for doing that and turning up. So yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. And do you have any like last minute advice or anything else that you would love to say or any message for in particular males (laughs) because I definitely know my partner in particular he will he's like oh no it's fine like no need to go to the doctor do you have any last minute like advice (laughs) we all we all think we're big and strong especially the males we all think we're big and strong but um every human's the same and as I said before once you lose your health you you have nothing like absolutely nothing so my advice or last bit of words would be once again if there's something you thought about the start of podcast when we started talking and you thought oh that wasn't there last week or that actually doesn't feel right it literally takes half an hour out of your day to book an appointment go to the doctor get checked up nine times out of ten it is going to be nothing but you've checked Mm -hmm. out it could be the one in a million chance that it was me and you know i'm lucky i'm so lucky and if i end up having kids Cancer was the greatest gift I ever got because I got a second chance at life and it could have been way worse and I could have left, you know, my whole family behind. And so I just bless. So you just got to check on your health, appreciate your health and yeah, Yeah. don't do not take it for granted. That's my biggest thing to all the men. We're all tough. We would pretend to be (laughs) bears on the inside, but um, yeah, that'd be my, my last bit of advice and yeah, live life to the fullest and uh, appreciate everyone around you. yeah absolutely I love that and if people want to reach out to you if they want to follow along with your recovery and where you're at now and learn more about your story and stuff like that is there somewhere in particular where they can find you I'm on Instagram Facebook um (laughs) my my testicular cancer page on um Instagram is Robbie Wonder. <laughs> Amazing. Um, I'll tag it in the show notes. So yeah, you can go it. find it. <laughs> but um, Turn Up, which is my public speaking, if anyone wants um, a presentation done or, or anything like that. And, and yeah, just uh, Facebook, both of the, both my name, Josh Robson's on Facebook and Turn Up's on there as well. So 
Amazing. Yeah. Great. And I just quickly, we didn't touch on this. Did you have support through any kind of foundations or anything when you went through treatment? I had a I had a GoFundMe page done by my work, um, which was, um, that was just so breathtaking to have that and just people put in, you know, $100 or $50 or whatever they put in. It was just from the smallest amount to the largest amount. It was just so special. So that was a big thing, but no... Um, no particular foundations that I, I hope I hope there's not that's not coming to my mind right now. Um, but yeah, none, yeah. <laughs> none that I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah, um, yeah, interesting. I'm curious to even I might even just do my own research to find out if there are foundations around um, testicular cancer and stuff like that. Because I know for me, like I had blood cancer, so I have access to the Leukemia yeah. Foundation. Yeah. Um, which is really great and really helpful. And I'd be surprised if there wasn't. Um, yeah. I have um, spoken to a few testicular cancer um, foundations just on Instagram, but it's sort of they're just hit and miss and, you know, very, mm-hmm. them being very busy and you don't sort of interact um, greatly. But yeah. during my treatment, there was sort of none that I um, sort of got in contact with. I think um, COVID during that time as well made it pretty tough yeah. for people network as well which would have made it different yeah Yeah. absolutely well that is pretty much all the questions I have for you but thank you so much for coming on and sharing like it's so impactful and it's so incredible one to hear from a male who's experienced it and just to learn more about like your story and your journey and it's friggin' epic like it's so incredibly inspiring and yeah, you should be so incredibly proud of yourself. Like, it's unreal. No, I, I appreciate it. And what you're doing, um, get it, creating this podcast to spread awareness and help educate people. And if people are going, like, I wish I had something like this when I was going through my treatment and I could have put, you know, this podcast, if I, I didn't know about it, which I'm shattered about, could put the podcast in, <laughs> maybe or not, to know what's coming up or know how to deal with situations or even if, you, you know, there was someone that you were interviewing was tagged and you could ask them questions. So I think it's really cool what you're doing and appreciate you having me on and, and taking the time to have a chat. It's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. And for those that are listening, thank you for tuning in to another episode. Stay happy, stay grounded, go do something for yourself today. And remember, always prioritize your health. And until next time, bye for now. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Hello, I'm Healing, the podcast. This podcast is not possible without you, the listeners, and the incredible guests that come on here and share their stories so vulnerably. If today's episode did spark any concern for you, I encourage you to seek medical advice from your local GP or whoever that might be for you. Also, if you have experienced some kind of medical illness or have a medical background that you would like to share, please reach out to me on Instagram. You can find me at Brene underscore with love underscore. Also, I would love, love, love and ultimately appreciate if you could share this podcast and tag me one so I can personally thank you. And two, just so we can get this platform out there so that we can show people that there is support. There are people out there going through the trenches as well. Hopefully we can educate people along the way. Hopefully we can make people feel less alone in their own stories and build a beautiful community along the way.